Welcome to Ruling Sports, a podcast giving you a playbook for life. I'm your host, Alicia Jessup. Join me as I interview athletes, leaders, and innovators to uncover their game plans for success and give you insights to rule your life. Let the play clock begin. Now I want you to be honest. How good of a driver are you? Are you someone who pays attention to every detail on the road? Or do you often find your mind wandering? For today's guest, attention to detail behind the wheel is of paramount importance to his success as an athlete. Fraser McConnell is a professional race car driver who competes in nitrocross, the most competitively successful Jamaican driver in the history of international rallycross racing. Fraser's career has been marked by early wins. In this episode, Fraser walks us through how a stubborn mindset has allowed him to achieve seemingly unthinkable successes, how he breaks big tasks like winning a race into actionable pieces to accomplish a goal, and where he sources his confidence along with steps you can take to employ the same strategy in your life. Fraser is an incredible storyteller who takes us back into his early days in Jamaica to tell us about his path to racing stardom. Back at home, Fraser even raced ATVs around the island with another legendary Jamaican athlete, Usain Bolt. You're not going to want to miss this story. In explaining his rise in racing, Fraser tells us why he took the risk to turn away from the sport his family loves and carve his own path. Last year, Fraser raced for Lewis Hamilton's Extreme E Team X44. In this episode, he tells us the biggest lesson he learned from Lewis. Finally, Fraser gives us a bit of his secret sauce, explaining what keeps him calm when coming into a race and how he uses visualization as a tool in this process. You are not going to want to miss this tip as it is one that you can apply to attaining positive outcomes in your own life. If you aren't familiar with rally racing or rally cross, before you dig into this episode, I really encourage you to hop on YouTube and to learn about this sport. Doing so is going to help you realize just the incredibleness of what Fraser does and why this visualization process that he shares with us is so impactful, not only for him, but as something we each can adopt. I really enjoyed my conversation with Frazier. I think you're going to love his warmth, his candor, and frankly, his generosity in sharing tools for success with us. So now, join me in welcoming Fraser McConnell to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Fraser, welcome to the Ruling Sports Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about your incredible journey. No, super excited. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, definitely looking forward to it. What goal, quote, or mindset has guided your life? I mean, still so young, but definitely I like to live by everything happens for a reason, um, but also trust the process. I also, I also have a tattoo that it's a Viking symbol. It, it means where there's a will, there's a way. 
Um, and I know that, you know, once I put my mind to something, some people call it stubborn, but you know, if I, if I really want something, I'm going to do everything I can to, to get it. And you know, that, that, that the goals for anything, you know, work, life goals, uh, racing, of course. So, you know, just a very, very strict and, you know, dedicated stubborn mindset to, to get, to get what I want. That's something that I notice with a lot of the people I talk to on this show is to achieve great things, you just have to have a relentless drive and a belief that it's going to happen. Would you agree with that? For sure. I mean, it, it definitely comes with a lot of, um, you know, manifesting your own goals and positive reinforcement. Because if you go out there and you don't, you don't think you can do it, you're probably not going to be able to do it. You know, I really, I really believe strongly in that. And, you know, I've even seen where times where I haven't felt in the right motivated mindset or not, 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 let's not say motivated or like confidence versus times where I've really felt that, you know, no one's, no one's going to beat me. Hmm. Uh, is that, is that two different results? It's, it's definitely hard to have that mindset switched on all the time, kind of sec- sectioning it up more to say, okay, let's, let's get, let's stay turned on or switched on for this um, you know, it's race day. Let's stay switched on for 10 minutes before we get in the car. Then we switch on uh, when the race is done, switch off because it's very mentally draining, you know, trying to section them off and um, take it piece by piece. I think is how it works best for me. What do you do to turn it on? What do you do to turn that mindset of the belief and the confidence on? Well, I say the self-belief and confidence is, is always on. But like when it's like go time. Um, and then it's like, you know, you really like lock in and you start to do your visualizing and um, all all your stuff that get you in gear, I guess. I guess for me, it's probably music, plug in my music and I do my warm up routine, um, stretches, just get the muscles loose and warm and ready to go. Once, once the, the AirPods are back out and I'm I'm, I'm feeling loose, it's kind of like, all right, let's showtime, let's, let's go and do this thing. What kind of music do you like? I love dancehall, uh, Jamaican dancehall. Don't really have a pre-song ritual. Kind of just listen to the the, the kind of new, the newer songs, the the hits. Just something that gets me nice and relaxed, and also pumped up at the same time. If that makes sense. I'm a, I'm a very versus music genre guy, so no no one genre in particular. When you come over to the U.S., do you ever listen to country music? I like some country music. I went to school in Canada, so um. It was actually at the agriculture school as well. So mm-hmm. big country scene, great people. I love them. And I actually went to at a race in Calgary and feel like I felt like I was in, it was like ca- Canadian, Texas. Yeah. Was, was, yeah. <laughs> a lot of oil in Calgary. So you're, yeah. that's, that's a very good um, comparison. So you mentioned that the confidence is always there. Have you always been confident? Like, were you a confident child or where do you think this was born from? I would say I'm a confident person. I try to be very careful to not be overconfident or cocky. You know, I hate or I hate feeling like I'm being overconfident or over cocky. And, um, you know, definitely keep to myself in, in some places. I'd, 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 like in between introvert and extrovert, I would say being confident for me comes from having good results and knowing that you have what it takes to perform. If I, if I don't feel like I have what it takes to perform and go out there and, and be the best, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be as confident where as if I feel prepared. So if preparation for me is so important because that's what makes me feel confident. Yeah, that, that's so good. In, in my research, I study confidence a lot. And you, you just named two ways that people listening can help source confidence for themselves. One, look back to your past results. Think of a time that you have found success. Let that remind you that you're capable of doing it again. But especially for what you do, 
practice makes perfect. And so we have to prepare to come into that success. For sure. And I mean, not even just practice in the sport or or discipline that you're doing. For sure, that's, you know, definitely, I would say a big help to confidence. But even feeling fit, feeling healthy, you know, looking at being able to look in the mirror and be like, damn, I look good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or finish a workout and feel so great. For me, that's such a important reason. One, one, you need to be, I need to be very in shape to, <clears throat> to do these jumps and stay in the car for that long and be in that intense environment. But it's also such a, it gives me such a confidence boost to know that I'm in good shape and I look good and I feel good. You know, even speaking about it now is such a good reminder for myself that even when you're feeling lazy and tired, you know, just, just put your shoes on and go. Get your socks on, get your shoes on. One, for me, once I get my shoes on and tie my laces, that's it. I'm, I'm good to go. I can't think of any time I've worked out in my life. Like, yeah, you might feel sore after, but I always feel better. Like my, my mindset, my mental headspace, my energy just lifts. So I, I agree with all of that. We've kind of been dancing around it, but you are an athlete in the rally cross space. How did you get into that sport? Yeah, it's definitely not common to hear a Jamaican doing rallycross. <laughs> so since we have a bunch of time, I'll be able to give you the long story. Both my brother and sister did horse riding equestrian. Um, so it was like the perfect for me. I'm the youngest child growing up into all these hang-me-downs. Uh, you know, we had the jodhpurs, the boots, the saddles, everything, the horses. And I did I did one lesson and I was like, I don't love it. Um, you know, I'm trying to turn left and the horse is turning right. I'm trying to pull back the reins and he's speeding up. I'm like, God, this is not. This is not for me. I felt way too out of control. And then also had a dirt bike. And I was like, you know, I love my dirt bike. If I, if I want to turn left on my dirt bike, I know I can turn left. If I want to speed up, I can speed up. My parents really were a big believer in having extracurricular apart mm -hmm. from school. Just to, you know, have something that we can look forward to and uh, something that we could use our time to enjoy. And started riding dirt bikes. You know, bear in mind, no one in my family, both both sides, had anything to do with motorsports. It was, you know, quite, quite new, but, you know, they embraced it and supported all the same. As a, I guess, naturally competitive nature, we started doing some dirt bike races out here in Jamaica locally. And as those years went on, you know, faster bike, bigger jumps, um, bigger jumps, but bigger crashes. I was actually racing. I was racing in the A class. I was like 11, 12 years old and racing these grown, grown men. Yeah. And, you know, I would place well in the races and then uh, after a while my dad said no more no more two wheels if it's gonna continue it has to be four wheels <laughs> which is where we went out and found go-karting every every year we would we would test ourselves against we would do well and then I said okay we did well in this class let's move up to the faster class see how we do there and that progressed all the way until we were you know in the highest class highest in go-kart class won the championship let's go to let's go to cars and you know this was all fueled by my love and passion for the sport. I did my first car race when I was 15. Wow. In, in a rally car. So I loved rally. I, I grew up on a farm and in rally, rally Jamaica every year, there's a huge, you know, massive entrance. And there was an end of year rally Jamaica where some of the stages would pass by my house. Huh. So I was a kid watching these cars fly by the house and, you know, smelling the, smelling the exhaust and, you know, you, you hear all the sound and you're like, wow, like these guys are so cool. I would, Love to be a race car driver one day. That's amazing. What what so, part of Jamaica did you grow up in? It's a town called Bogwalk. So it's <laughs> about 45 minutes to an hour, depending who's driving from Kingston. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, more in the middle of the island. Just watch these cars drive, drive past the house all the time. And 
always wanted to do that. So did my first rally at 15, didn't even have my driver's license. So during the stage transit, my navigator, my co-driver would have to swap seats and he would drive the car on the road. <laughs> And then when we, when we got to the stage, we'd switch again and I would drive the race, the race section. Uh, Did the race organizers know that you were doing that? Switching? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally allowed. It, it's allowed. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's pretty savvy. It's, uh, closed, closed circuit. Um, so you know, it's actually probably the safest place that someone not licensed could be driving is on that that road. So you know, closed with marshals everywhere and ambulances. So you know, all of the old works. Do you want exclusive insights from your favorite athletes, sport industry leaders, and innovators delivered straight to your inbox? Subscribe today to the Ruling Sports Newsletter. The Ruling Sports Newsletter cuts the mystery out of success by bringing you leadership tools, entrepreneurial strategies, business insights, and wellness tips straight from some of the world's most positively impactful people. So go to rulingsports.com today and subscribe for free. Can you paint a picture for listeners who might not be aware of what rally is? Can you paint a picture of what the sport looks like? Okay, so rally is um, a race over many different stages. So you'll have point A to B and you're you're racing against the clock. And you'll have, depending on the rally, between anywhere from 12 to 20 or more stages the total combined time for all of those stages is your race time since you're racing a to b and not in a a circuit lap you have to do transits on open roads and there's like hills and dirt and stuff yeah i mean there you rallies take place on dirt um snow tarmac ice everything the only time that it stops is if it's lightning striking so all (laughs) conditions all conditions is, is go. So that's that's rally. What I currently do now is rally cross. So it's a mix of rally and circuit racing. Hmm. So I moved up when I was in 15. I did the first rally. Then I also used that same car to do circuit racing. And I was just a fan of rally cross. And I, which I'll get to explaining in a minute of what rally cross is. I was a fan on a, a YouTube fan of, of rally cross, which for everyone listening is a mixture between you know dirt and tarmac with rally cars all racing each other at the same time so four to eight cars on track at the same time racing around um, dirt corners a track the tracks are also comprised of they could be fully dirt or you know 50 50 dirt tarmac Um, sometimes we even race on the ice in Canada and I knew I was good on the dirt and I knew I was good on the tarmac so I said why not try combine the two and go race some rallycross mm. which you know so happy we we took that leap and made the move i was at school in canada and they had a rallycross race a four-hour train ride away from from where i was at school mm. yeah my brother we jumped in the train go watch it um and again like i was saying earlier i hate being cocky or overconfident but i was watching these guys drive and looked at my brothers i know i can beat these guys mm. you know i'm, I'm wow. watching what they're doing and i know I could, I can do this as good, if not better. That made me even hungrier to go for it and find out how to get involved. Email of four or five teams, two responded, one saying, no thanks, one saying, sure, come have some fun. And I was like, yeah, I'm not coming to have fun, but I'm coming to the audition for your team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, halfway through, so they had a team racing in the series that I wanted to be in. Uh, halfway through the first day, 
I broke the track record for what their current drivers in that race teams were practicing on at that, for that season. So halfway through the first day, broke the track record. At the end of the two-day test session, there was, you know, this is incredible. How do we, let's let's start talking about how we can get you on the team for the next race. Wow. So for me, wow. that was hard. Mission complete. Get, get, did what I came here to do. Um, <laughs> impress them. So now let's, let's get in the race car and go to the race now. Wow. So that's how I got into Rallycross. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so <laughs> I, I want to go back one step. What were you studying in Canada? I a Bachelor of Commerce with food and agricultural. Okay, so like you're, you're in college working towards a certain career, and then you're building this opportunity for yourself in Rallycross. When the opportunity for Rallycross arose, so you, you go and you perform well in just a half a day, did you have any knowledge of the business of the sport? You know, these people are saying, all right, we want you to come race. Did, did you know how to negotiate a deal for yourself? I mean, definitely. I would. I'd, I had been racing um, go-karts since the age of 12, you know, right after dirt bikes went to go-karts. And at this point in time, I would have been um, 18. Still very green, but, you know, kind of understand how the racing world works at that at that level you know you don't have any free rides like no one's gonna come and pay you to drive at that level especially with such with no experience really right. in rally how these teams work is an arrive and drive deal so if you know you say i want to drive the season they said okay this is what the season costs you can raise sponsorship but you know we need money to operate the team basically it's a business and then you know went into the first race with just uh like i said so so grateful and and thankful that my parents were able to um afford me that opportunity mm -hmm. to, to you know pay the first race basically out of pocket you know we we didn't have we did, we hadn't budgeted for any more than this one race show up to the race and i win every single race leading up to the wow. final wow um, and all these rookies are like or i'm the rookie and everyone there is like who the hell is this jamaican kid coming there and and kicking our ass you know what i mean yeah. like, no one has ever done it. No one from Jamaica or the Caribbean has ever done rally cross. And, you know, even me, I'm halfway through, almost in the final. And I still don't really fully understand how the race format works. I'm just going in the car, <laughs> come back, first place. They're like, all right, Faz, well done. Okay, five minutes, ready to go again. Go, go out there and drive. <laughs> I'm just, I'm wow. just going and, and just trusting wow. my and driving and, and going for it. Yeah, I don't think they were too happy. The competitors were too happy. And in the final, I started on the pole first position uh, like I said one every race leading up to that and then I got I get taken out with like two laps to go so I got that it was a rude wake-up call in the finals to be like all right hey we're, we're with the big boys now they don't they don't like the the new kid new kid on the block coming to win wow and because we did so well in the first race Dirtfish said okay we'll help you out to find budget for the next race wow um, and you know same thing kind of went on until we ended up doing the entire season after that season they said, you know, we want you to drive, be our, our, our main driver going into 2019 because we feel what it takes to win a championship. Only got two podiums that year, but, you know, showed really promising results with times and good racecraft. And then going into the next year, we, we won the championship in 2019. Wow. And there, there were nine races for the year and we, we won six. Wow. So you mentioned several times that you're the only Jamaican competing in this sport. And from my understanding... You know, thinking of that first race, the demographic of the other competitors looks like what? Where do your where, where do your competitors mostly come from? 
Um, so that was the American America's Rallycross series. So it was it was mostly um people from the USA, but Rallycross is a Scandinavian originated sport. So you know your Swedes, your Norwegians, Finnish people, Den- Denmark, that that all that Scandinavian on ring. So 2019, when we won the America's Rally Cross Championship, we're also following that same system of testing ourselves against better and, and tougher competition. We said we were going to go to Europe now and race against the best in the mm. world in, in the class that I was in. And th- that was one of the most competitive racing I've ever had, even up to date. Mm. Uh, went and lived in Sweden with the Ericsson's for about like four four to six months and then again just we did we did well we, we came fourth that year in the championship but i mean you know some super super tough competition and then eventually got up but then we hit covid so we were planning to do the same thing that we did with arx2 being that first year was testing it out second year let's go for the championship so this was 2019 we did the first one in europe 2020 we said we were going to go for the championship in in europe and then covid kind of hit and fortunately for me covid presented an opportunity because at that time i was driving what they call rx2 or the supercar lights which is the class below the main category called supercar and the team i was racing with in sweden at the time did an invitational event during covid because nothing else was happening and he said you know do you want to drive supercar for this race and i'm you know obviously obviously i do that was the end goal to eventually drive a supercar and same thing started with one event did well ended up doing the whole season you know, we've we've always up until the last year or two, we've always gone into the season without enough sponsorship commitments huh. to, to pay for the whole season. Uh, but you know, as races have gone along and results have been good, media support has been good. We've always come on and 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 you know help us get to the end. That's so great. Lots of risk taking from from my family as well, but you know, it's it's been it's been worth it for sure. How do you define risk? So, you know, to that point, a, a lot of risk taking by your family, because what I'm hearing on your end is there's something in you that knows you're going to win. You're <laughs> training, you understand the sport, like you have this confidence in yourself. Where does the risk lie? The financial risk is the, is the straight answer, because, you know, mm-hmm. it is expensive to race cars. If you're paying um, solely out of pocket, then it, it's a big burden to, to mm-hmm. you know, up money to go and race these cars but you know it is a it is a business at the end of the day and you know if you do well enough in race car driving you can make a living and career for yourself Um, Mm -hmm. so the risk is gambling that initial let's say investment to to get you on that stage to perform Um, and then when you can perform well then if the stars all align then you can you can make some money now where i am in nitro cross wouldn't have been possible if we didn't take those risks and like i said stars have to align dana white just bought the series Nitro Cross and you know they're putting a lot behind it to make sure that it does take off and be the next big thing um, and you know all my sponsors that have been on that journey for me to get me there and you know having some prize money in the races it's it's all a very competitive field where if, if you're not doing well you're not going to stay there kind of thing. Yeah that's I, I love that anecdote related to risk no risk no reward are you still driving for team x44? Um, So that was the extreme e team that I raced with this year um owned owned by Lewis Hamilton which you know even thinking back to to getting that call now was is so surreal you know Lewis Hamilton calling to to offer you a ride in a in a race car it's like what the hell is happening <laughs> you know what, what, I mean? what, what was that like like what what does that call sound like how does that go down 
breathless and super fast heartbeat trying to stay calm. <laughs> Did you know he was calling? Is it like an unidentified number that you just happened to answer? I can't. I think it started with an email, but then, you know, you get that call and you're expecting it, but it's still like, this is not real. Yeah. Kind of. So super incredible. We haven't still, still talking with the team to, um, See what's happening for next year. It was a one-year contract. Uh, their biggest thing this year was promoting opportunity. So uh, last year they had Sebastian Loeb, who is, for those who don't know, Rally is a nine-time consecutive world champion. He won nine world titles in a row. So he's considered by many as a GOAT. I, I replaced him because they they wanted to prove that you don't have to sacrifice opportunity for performance. So it still went out there and we, we were able to get fourth in the championship. We got two race wins, four podiums from a guy who is still so young in the sport. And, you know, it was so awesome to even um, have my name associated with, with Lewis Hamilton and the X44 racing team. So Did you get to interact with him very much or I, I know he's really busy? He's super busy. Unfortunately, he, he wasn't able to make it out to any of the races. Uh, you know, we're racing very re remote locations for Xtreme, you know, all over the world. And, you know, you're, you're talking about at least a three to five hour drive from any given airport to the wow. race, race to the racetrack. So, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, not, so easy. Not, not convenient for someone with a packed schedule like him. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of motivational um, talks with him on the phone. So, yeah. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Ruling Sports on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way to growing the show. Thank you for your support. Is, is there anything that he told you that stood out to you? Like any lesson that you took away from him? You know, I, I don't want to sound cliche, but never give up. Um, you know, there's so many times where you've we've had a good result from a day that started bad. When it starts to go bad, you're like you're thinking in the back of your head, like, no way this day is gonna end well. Um, but you know, you just keep your head up and keep going. And uh, even if it doesn't go well, you you can tell yourself that I did everything I could to try make it good. So you know, really, really, just always going until it either can't go anymore or you reach it for the time. Wow, that's that's great. You've been surrounded. I mean, you yourself are an incredible athlete. You've also been surrounded by other incredible athletes across multiple sports. Am I hearing this correctly that in these early days when you're ATVing around Jamaica, there's somebody else alongside you, uh, that person being Usain Bolt? Yeah, so we're, um, we're friends and it, that goes way back. So one of my friends growing up in high school, he, me and him would ride ATVs all the time. And Usain actually ended up moving just across the street from him. You know, me and my friend Zachary, would, we'd be just fooling around on the ATVs doing wheelies and slides and stuff. And he would come over and be like, yo guys, let's, I need to get one of these and we could just go, like, <laughs> just come ride with you guys. He got, bought his ATV and his whole squad came out to um the farm where i live now and we just we just ride on the weekends and you know go out for hours and hours and hours yeah i've been 13 or 14 at the time and he would have been you know in his prime or maybe even before his prime so you know he, his manager didn't like it at all coming up there you know taking risks on the dirt bike he he wasn't <laughs> yeah. up fan, but usain was like that's that's his happy time and he he just loved to get out on the farm and and enjoy the enjoy the ride okay so we know he's the fastest man on earth What's he like on an ATV? He's pretty quick. He's really tall. Yeah, he makes the he makes the quad look pretty small, even though it's a pretty big machine. He makes it look pretty small. Yeah, I was actually impressed with how he would he used to ride the first time. I was like, oh, he's actually he's actually not scared to take some risks and, and go for a slide. Wow. Other than like the willingness to take risks, 
Is there anything that you took away from him or learned being around him? Uh, just be a good person, you know, be a, be, be nice to, to people. Um, you know, it goes a long way. You know, it, it doesn't take anything for you to stop and take a picture with somebody or, or do a signature on a hat or a T-shirt or whatever. You know, it's two seconds, five seconds out of your day, which, you know, something that if they're a fan, they'll, they'll remember for the rest of their life. So, you know, he, you'll see him go up onto the starting blocks and, you know, give a fist bump to the person behind them. And yeah, just be a genuine nice person and yeah, just just enjoy, enjoy the ride. Awesome. That's really great. So you talked a little bit earlier about this mindset that you approach races with and that you know sometimes just in your feeling, your head's not in the right space, whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. You've done a great job telling us what all goes into Rallycross. And if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the sport, stop now and go watch a YouTube video so you can fully grasp just the detail and intricacies of it. There's a lot going on. How do you calm your mind? How do you calm your mind before the race starts? I guess it's 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 not right before the race either. Like it, if if I don't feel prepared, then I won't be calm. Hmm. But the preparation starts so far before the race. Hmm. Um, you know, big believer in if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail, kind of thing. Yeah, it's staying calm and um, knowing that you're prepared is what keeps me calm. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a routine that you follow in preparation? Like, is it the same thing before every race or how does that preparation flow? A lot of visualization. If it's a track that I've already been to, I can close my eyes and drive the track. I'll do a full race with all different sorts of scenarios happening. And, you know, picture picture as many scenarios and circumstances as I can so that when they do happen, it's not a surprise kind of thing. You know, as it as crazy as it might sound, you know, even picture yourself crashing. Um, you know, what, what, did I, what would I do if I lost control of the car here? Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you do all these scenarios in your head, but then you always, you always have to finish the visualization with you winning. It's a, it's a very tiring process, you know, very mentally draining. Um, cause you know, you have to try to be as detailed as you can in the visualization process with sound, you know, smell, what will other people be doing? So many different simulations. And like I said, end with you you crossing that finish line first with the checkered flag and you know you can celebrate in your visualization so you know when that when that happens when you bring that into fruition and you actually cross the finish line first you're like like i knew i could do it wow where did you learn how to visualize like this i had a mental coach here in jamaica khalil azan he he coaches a lot of kids in sporting clay shooting and skeet shooting i'm not sure if you know it that's a super uh mental draining sport Mm -hmm. Uh, i locked in the entire time you know, every every target counts. So you need to be fully zoned in the entire time. And he's able to help me with those same principles with, with race car driving. I love the detail that you worked through there with us. I, I do a lot of visualization in my own life. And one thing that I really work to do is I work to ask myself, what is it going to feel like when you get this? And, you know, it's, it's hard because you're thinking about your future self and a future outcome, but you're trying to build the sensation of what that's going to feel like when you attain the thing. And um, I, I love you talking about sounds and smells and what you're seeing in front of you. So thank you for sharing that process with us. No, definitely. It's, um, it's something that I still haven't mastered. Um, you know, sometimes I'll try and just, you know, fade off and like get distracted and start to think about other things. So it's not, a, it's not as easy as closing my eyes and boom, I've done a lap, I've done a race. Okay, ready to go. It's, you know, I'll sit down and try and be like, oh, got distracted. Let's try. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's hard. Um, And the more you visualize or meditate, 
the easier it becomes. And, you know, the, the first time listeners practice this, you might find that you cannot sit still for even 10 seconds, you know, thanks to the invention that is the smartphone. We all have monkey brains. We, we can't really sit still anymore. I mean, if I would, if someone listening, I would definitely urge you to try visualize your drive to work. And if it's more than a 10 minute drive, I can guarantee that you won't get it on the first try. You're going <laughs> to gonna get stuck, stuck at like a red uh, red light and then see a bird fly and start thinking about birds. And then you're just going to get fully lost. But the more you do it, is uh, the better it becomes. And um, just visualize getting to work safely. Please don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to the road and keep your hands on the wheel because unlike our friend here, you are not a professional driver. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you ever get back on a horse these days? I would love to. I would definitely love to. I haven't, I haven't given it the full effort to go back out there again, but... I probably should one day. Yeah, I, I just love the story you told about feeling safer driving this vehicle than in the horse. And I, I agree with that because it's hard to control an animal with a vehicle. You're you're in control. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm a big animal lover. I love my dogs. Um, I, have a, I have a couple of goats and a couple of pigs. So what's next for you in the coming year? Nitro Cross is a two-year calendar, which started in June and is going to end in March. So the season goes, we have three more rounds one in February on the ice in Calgary. And then we go to Vegas for the finale in March. And how can listeners keep up with you on social media or where's the best place? Yeah, Instagram is the best for me at Fraser McConnell. So F-R-A-S-E-R-M-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. A lot of lots of double letters in the last name. You know, the races are all shown live and free on Rumble is um this new streaming platform. So um, everything you need to know, read Nitro Cross is there. Um, their website is also nitrocrossracing.com. Uh, if you want to buy tickets or have any read up on to anything, or there's FraserMcConnellRacing.com, my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. We'll be rooting for you. And thank you for sharing some wonderful tips about visualization and achieving success. For sure. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you gained wisdom that will help you rule your life. Let's stay connected on social media. We're at Ruling Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at rulingsports.com and email me your thoughts about the show at alicia at rulingsports.com. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the show and join us next time.